Good morning. You are looking good today, as always. And I am so excited, as always, to come up and uh, preach. And today we're talking about authority. And authority is a strong word. Some people just hearing the word authority get the chills. Some people are, are afraid of it because it's been a negative concept to them. Maybe they had a bad experience with authority. I think we all probably have at some point or another in our lives a, an experience where someone has abused their authority and therefore many times when we think of others in authority it has a negative connotation even with the authority, God himself. Today we are really launching into a, a mini-series in, in our bigger series on Matthew, because you know Matthew's going to take us like 25 years to get through, and so we're now going to launch into eight weeks of, of looking at Christ's authority, because from Matthew 21 verse 23, all the way through chapter 22, Jesus is having clashes with the religious leaders in, 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 of Israel, and it's all about his authority. It starts with them challenging his authority. Then he tells a series of parables explaining his authority. So what we're going to do is, is look at the idea of Christ's authority in a rebel world. The idea of Christ's authority being unrivaled. Of course, there are many so-called rivals, so, pretend rivals, but he is without peer. Christ is without peer. Christ's authority is unrivaled. It is eternal. It is unchanging. And it is absolute over all. Now today, we're looking at part one. By what authority? So take your Bibles and turn to Matthew 21. And stand with me as we read God's word. We'll read verses 23 to 27. Matthew chapter 21. Beginning at verse 23. And when he entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came up to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Jesus answered them, I also will ask you one question. And if you tell me the answer, then I also will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, from where did it come? From heaven or from man? And they discussed it amongst themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Why then did you not believe him? But if we say from man, we are afraid of the crowd, for they all hold that John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We do not know. And he said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your authority. Lord, we want to acknowledge your authority over us and over the universe. And Lord, we, we admit that we are uh, oftentimes confused when we read something in the Word because we don't exactly know what is going on. And Lord, we need you to help us. We need you, Lord, to open our eyes, our spiritual eyes, that we would see wonderful things in your Word, that we would understand it, that we would be able to receive it. 
And Lord, we pray that regarding this passage today, Lord, that you would teach us. We pray in Christ's name, amen. So let's do a little bit of a recap on Matthew chapter 21 to get us up to speed. Also, if you haven't been here uh, through our study of Matthew, at least we'll get the context of what is going on. So what has happened so far in Matthew chapter 21? Jesus has come into Jerusalem officially being being, uh, proclaimed the king, uh, proclaiming himself the king. He's coming humble and mounted on a donkey. That happens on Sunday of the last week before the cross. Then on Monday, you've got the cursing of the fig tree. The false advertising fig tree is cursed. Jesus is saying, don't pretend to have faith, have real faith. And then you've got the the cleansing of the temple. And the next day, on Tuesday, the fig tree explanation. So you've got Sunday, uh, the the entry into Jerusalem. Uh, Monday, the cleansing of the temple and the cursing of the fig tree. Tuesday, fig tree explanation. And now, this clash with the religious leaders. Not the first we've seen. But now it's getting more serious, and, and it's, it's this series of controversies with religious leaders that we're going to be focused on now in these, really, these next eight weeks. The Christ authority is seen here as being rejected by them, resisted by them, refused, literally. And so what we see here is that Jesus wants them to acknowledge his authority, but they will not. And really the main idea for us today out of this passage is that Jesus wants all people to acknowledge his authority and to align themselves with him. These religious leaders did neither. They didn't acknowledge his authority and they didn't align themselves with him. So let's start at verse 23 and see what is going on here. He enters the temple. So he has already cursed the fig trees, already cleansed the temple. He has explained the fig tree to his disciples. And now he goes to the temple and he is teaching. And the chief priests and the elders of the people come up to him. Now his favorite enemies usually are the scribes and the Pharisees. But here you have the chief priests and the elders of the people. The main religious leaders, but really members of the Sanhedrin which would have included Pharisees and Sadducees and a whole group of them. And they were all united in their common hatred of Jesus. These were people that did not usually get along. These were people that were not usually aligned with each other in their, in their platform. But here, uh, what you see is hatred for Jesus uh, brings unlikely groups together. So they come together and they're coming for the purpose of judging Jesus. And they ask two questions, but really it's only one. By what authority are you doing these things and who gave you that authority? Basically, what right do you have? Who are you to do what you're doing? What are these things that they're, that they're referring to? Well, these things would have been entering into Jerusalem and cleansing the temple and healing the blind and the lame and now teaching in the temple. And they want to know who gave him permission. They use the word authority. It's the Greek word exousia. And what it means is the power and ability to act. He didn't just have the power to do it, but he had the right to do it. 
And it was his right as God. But these religious leaders were saying, you do not have the right to do this. Verse 24, Jesus basically um, answers them, but with a question. It's very interesting. Here they are coming in, barging in on Jesus' teaching session. Can you imagine if someone comes in the side door right here and basically starts asking me questions like, what do you think you're doing up there? And who gave you permission to be up there? And why are you doing this? You're like, well, we'll talk later. Have a seat. There's some seats right here. They were interrupting Jesus, barging in the, in the middle, but he's, and they're saying, you don't have permission from us. And so Jesus' response is a question. Now, if you ask me a question, and I respond with a question, you will say, you are avoiding my question. But this was a common practice amongst teaching rabbis in that day to answer a question with a question. It was to draw the the learners even more into the context of what was being spoken about. So they asked Jesus, and he says, all right, let's get to this. Let me ask you a question, then I'll tell you. Because he he wants them to interact with what he's about to say. So here's the question. Verse 25. The baptism of John. Now, you might think to yourself, well, that's random. Absolutely not. This is right in context. What the, the phrase the baptism of John means is the whole ministry of John. Not just him baptizing people. This signifies everything that John was doing. And what was John doing? He was preaching a repentance He was paving the way for the Messiah to come. He himself said, there is one coming after me that I'm not even worthy to untie his shoes. So he is in the midst of being the forerunner. He was in the midst of being the forerunner to the Messiah. So Jesus saying, now let's talk about John. They're probably getting a little bit uncomfortable about what's going to happen next. So the ministry of, of John, was it from God or from man? Now, that was a masterful reply on Jesus' point. This was a, a genius question to ask them. They had to grapple with it. So, uh, John's entire ministry, where did it come from? Where did he get his authority to do what he did? So, what they do next is they basically have this chess, this, this chess game of sorts in their heads and with each other. I don't know if you know how to play chess. I don't. I'm not smart enough to play it. I play checkers. But what I hear is that when you play chess, you've got to know like 10 moves ahead of your opponent because otherwise you're going to get slammed. And so what happens is they say, look, if we say from from God, from heaven, he's going to tell us, then why didn't you believe? And so here they're first of all admitting they didn't believe John the Baptist preaching. They didn't believe who John the Baptist really was. They're admitting it right here. They say he's going he's gonna to basically pin us up against the wall and say, you didn't believe it and it came from heaven. You're in trouble. You're losers. Then they say, well, wait a minute. If we say from men, we're in, in more trouble with someone else because we're afraid of the people. So they have the fear of man that brings a snare and they were ensnared by their own ideas here. They didn't know what to do because they were worried about what people were thinking. They were worried about what was going to happen. So they're playing this mental chess game. And, and so they answer. They, they say, we don't know. We don't know. Isn't that interesting? 
So here are these people who admit that they didn't believe John the Baptist. John the Baptist, the one who, who like a neon sign, is pointing to Jesus. Remember down in L.A., uh, many years ago, there was a big neon red sign with red letters, and it said, Jesus saves. I remember seeing that sign. It was on top of the Bible Institute of Los Angeles. And I remember seeing that sign as a kid thinking, that's weird that they would put that up there. I didn't understand what the sign meant. I, I, I understood the two words. I didn't get the concept behind it. I didn't know the gospel story behind it. But I remember, and I wish, the, those, those, I wish that was still up there. It's, a, it's awesome. Jesus saves. But just like that big Jesus saves sign that used to be downtown L.A., John the Baptist was, was like a, a big sign saying, the Messiah is coming, get ready. And they didn't believe it. So that's their situation. And then they're afraid of all the people. And Jesus didn't avoid their question. He answers it in a way that if you're humbly seeking him, you'll get who he really is. But if you're like them, you will be trapped, blocked by your own error. It's like D.A. Carson said, if they can't see Jesus for who he is, it's because their previous unbelief has blinded their minds to God's revelation. So they say, we don't know. That's not true. They knew. They knew. They were misrepresenting the facts. They, they did know. They said they didn't. They knew there were only one of two answers. So Jesus says, I'm not going to tell you then by what authority. There's that phrase again. We see it three times in this passage. By what authority I do the things I do. Well, the reason why he didn't have to tell them is because they already had their answer. They knew. Here's what had happened. They had misunderstood the revelation that God has already given in his word about the forerunner and about the Messiah. They had rejected John the Baptist. And so basically they're being shown up to not be able to fulfill their responsibility. They come to Jesus to judge him and he basically judges them righteously and says, you are supposed to be the leaders of the people to point them to me, but you're incompetent to do so. So you are incompetent to judge me. That's really what Jesus is saying with this question. He judged them. Now what were the religious leaders' issues? What were, what were, what were the underlying issues that were going on? First of all, it was their power. They were blinded by their power. They, their power was threatened by Jesus. People were following him. They were clinging tenaciously to their turf. They didn't want to give in. And their power exposed their pride, their sinful pride. They wouldn't admit that they were sinning. They wouldn't admit that they were wrong. It really points out the idea of sinful anger. It's this idea that I'm not getting what I want, therefore I am not pleased, my will is getting squashed. So, so basically like a, like a mythological Zeus, I'm going to start zapping people with lightning bolts, relationally. I'm not getting what I want, I'm, I'm going to play God. That's what they were doing, they were playing God. James chapter 4 exposes that even, even when we attempt to do that. James chapter 4 and verse 12. Right after 
instructing us to humble ourselves before God and that he will exalt us. Right after saying, don't speak evil against other people, against your brothers, the one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law. He says in verse 12, there is only one lawgiver and judge. But see, the the chief priests and the rulers of the people wanted to be the lawgivers and the judge. They had seated themselves in God's place. They were playing God. There's only one lawgiver and judge, James says, he who was able to save and destroy. They could do neither. He could do both. So the question, who are you to judge your neighbor? Who were they to judge Jesus? They had power issues, they had pride issues, and they were sinfully prejudiced against Jesus. They hated and despised anyone that they had not personally given a license to to do what they thought they were in charge of. Back in those days, if you were a, a student of a rabbi and you were uh, progressing and you were learning and you were, you were growing, you would at some point get ordained by that rabbi. And there was all, everyone was a, basically an independent contractor in this. And so all the rabbis were having these individualized ordination services where they would sing and pray and even read scripture. And then basically you'd have your card, you'd be a card-carrying rabbi, right? Well, then the Sanhedrin said, you know what? We need to be in control of this. And so they basically took over all of the ordinations of all the rabbis. And they're looking at Jesus saying, you don't have a membership card. You didn't come through us. John the Baptist didn't either. We don't, re- we don't, we don't believe him. And we're not going to believe you because you didn't come through us. See, authority is rooted in Christ. It is his power to act. That's why he's able to, to heal the blind and the lame. It is his authority to speak. That's why he's teaching in the temple. It's his ability to judge. That's why he was able to wither the fig tree immediately and why he's able to say to the chief priests and the rulers of the people, you're wrong. It's his freedom to rule. He's the one who came into Jerusalem as the king. He's the one who was spoken of in the the prophets, the king that would come. He's the one that declared himself the king. Isn't it easy for us to to look at these chief priests and and rulers of the people uh, of the Jews and say, wow, they're bad. How could they do that to God? This is wrong. It's really easy for us to say that, and and we're not wrong when we say that. Wow, they were were, uh, power-hungry, and they were sinfully prideful, and, and they were extremely prejudiced against anyone who they didn't personally approve of. It's very easy for us to look at them and say, wow, they were really, really off base. But you know what I've noticed and what I've found even in my own life is that it is very easy to look at someone doing something in the Bible and really, in in essence, do the same thing in my life and not be aware. When is it a problem for us? When are these things a a problem for us? When is power and pride and and even prejudice a part problem for us that causes us not to acknowledge the authority of Christ and causes us to get away from aligning ourselves with him when is that a problem for us I think first it's when we insist on our own way when we say I'm going to do what I'm going to do and I'm going to persist even in unbelief 
I'm confused about the faith, and, and so basically I'm going to almost carry my little confusion around like a little dog you put in a purse. And it's your little pet that you, that you, uh, you take with you. Instead of turning to the one that could, that could handle the confusion, the one that you're confused about. But when we insist on our own way and persist in unbelief, we are refusing the authority of the Lord Jesus. Romans chapter 15 speaks of what God does in the life of a believer. Romans 15 verse 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. It's very easy for us to see ourselves as victims and say, you know what, I don't want to believe that because of this is what happened to me. But Paul says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. It's believing what you can't see. It's believing that might, might not even make sense to your natural mind, but God says it in his word, and it's your only way to joy and peace. It says, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. We don't live in the flesh. We don't live on our own. We can only trust the power of the Holy Spirit to use the word of God in our life, to to use other people in our life, to use his means to cause us to abound in hope. Many times people persist in unbelief because they've lost hope. The only way to get hope is from God. He is the God of hope. And he fills believers with joy and peace as they believe, as they respond by believing. Even just a little step. You say, well, I can't get all the way over there. That's okay, just take a baby step. Take a baby step towards Jesus. Well, Jesus, I'm gonna believe whatever I read about you in the Bible. I might not understand it, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna believe that this is from you and you, you gave it to us for our benefit and I'm going to believe it. But when we insist on our own way and persist in unbelief, we're refusing God's authority. We're refusing Christ's authority. And there's other ways. When we display an unwillingness to, to follow God's clear plans, it's like us guys that don't like to read the instructions. I find there's lots of people who don't like to read the instructions or come up with their own. And then you have all these pieces left over and you're wondering where those go. But when we display an unwillingness to, to follow God's clear instructions, we are resisting Christ's authority. We have too many Bibles. We have all these Bibles. We got them on electronic devices and we've got five Bibles at home, but we don't even open them up and believe what they say and do what they say. There's so many times we have this unwillingness to follow God's clear instructions. Paul was talking to Timothy about that in 2 Timothy chapter 3. He'd already reminded him that he needed to follow Jesus, remember Jesus Christ. He'd already reminded him that he needed to study the word of God so that he would not be ashamed, but he would be a workman that's approved. But then he goes and makes it very, very, very personal and speaks about Timothy's own life, about his own experience. 2 Timothy 3 and verse 14, he says, but as for you, continue in what you've learned and become, uh, and, and become convinced of. Uh, continue what you've learned and have firmly believed. You have convictions. You, you, you learned it from someone. It even says, remember from, who, from whom you learned it. His mother and grandmother and other believers, even Paul himself. How from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. Not everyone gets that gift, but Timothy had from childhood uh, um, been taught the word of God. Some of you have not. 
Some of you came to Christ as, a, as an adult and you didn't even read the word of God maybe until you were an adult. But Timothy here had this privilege of hearing the word of God as a child. And he says, from childhood you've known the sacred writings. You've been acquainted with them which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. It is the scriptures that testify of Jesus. It is the scriptures that make us wise unto salvation. And then Paul gives these words that most of us have probably memorized. All scripture is breathed out by God, inspired by God and profitable. It's useful for teaching and reproof and training in righteousness and correction and that the man of God may be competent and equipped for every good work. When we display an unwillingness to follow God's clear instructions, we are resisting his authority. Going back into Romans 15 and verse 4, Here's what it says. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction so that we might learn. Sometimes from other people's mistakes, others from what they did right. But what was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. God wants us to to keep going, even pushing through doubt and basically receive our encouragement through the word of God. And it gives us hope. Through endurance and through encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. And then verse 5, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It happens in community, happens in a church, happens in a local body of believers that are rubbing shoulders with each other, that are doing life together in Christ, that are being honest with each other. And that helps us when we are displaying an unwillingness to follow God's clear instructions, our our brothers and sisters gently and lovingly and firmly ought to point us in the right direction. And we ought to trust that. We are not to let sin reign in our mortal bodies that we would obey its lust. We are to, to obey the Lord Jesus Christ and we can't do it on our own. We must do it by the Holy Spirit and we must have other brothers and sisters in Christ to help us. What else is a problem for us when we maybe reject Christ's authority? I think most prevalent is when we are happy to to remain in an unrepentant lifestyle. When we are happy to keep doing something we know we, we shouldn't, we know is ruining us, but we are happy to continue in unrepentant living. James chapter 5 verse 16 instructs us to confess our sins one to another and pray for each other that we would be healed. We are to confess our sins to other trusted brothers and sisters in Christ. We are to pray for other brothers and sisters in Christ and God brings healing in that process. If we say we haven't sinned, God says we make him out to be a liar. We are liars ourselves. We should always love to repent of our sins. But many times we love to continue in unrepentant living. And we don't even realize how blinded we are. It's so easy to say, well, you know what? Those scribes and Pharisees and uh, chief priests and, uh, and rulers of the people, they were so blind. And sometimes we don't realize that we've got these, these, these blinders on. That's where we need Psalm 139, verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. 
and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. That's a repentant prayer. That's the prayer of a repentant man. That's the person seeking God and saying, I can't do it without you. That's the prayer that says, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer, my rock and my redeemer. You know, sometimes you get blindsided in life, don't you? Someone says something to you that throws you for a loop. Someone hurts you in some way, and it causes you to want to plan an attack against them. We've all done it. Some of you might even be doing it uh, today. Something happened. Uh, Sometimes it was a perceived slight. Sometimes it was a real thing. But either way, you might be planning out an attack against someone else. A friend of mine yesterday uh, emailed uh, Facebook me and some other friends and said, someone just said something about me that really hurt. And I don't know if it's true or not. It might be true. I might be coming across this way, but I might not. Uh, Pray that I would not respond in the wrong way. That's the request of a repentant man who doesn't even realize if he did something or not and and wasn't trying, but someone just kind of lashed out at him. And so he's praying that he would have a right response to bless instead of curse. And not plan out an attack, but actually help the other person. But when we're happy to continue in unrepentant living, we're literally rejecting the authority of the Lord Jesus. We're saying, you know what? Your word, it doesn't matter. What matters is what I think more. It's that same example of the religious leaders who had power and pride and prejudice issues and and basically wanted other people to serve them rather than serving God. Is there a cure? We know there's a cure. Jesus is going to give us the cure through the rest of chapter 21 and 22. But is there a cure embedded in this passage we're looking at today? I believe there is. Because here's what's going on. They had not believed the word of God. They had not accepted Christ's authority. Both of those things were true about them. So the cure for us is very simple. You already know the cure. The first thing is you've got to acknowledge Christ's authority. And how do you do that? You do that by yielding control to him. I want you to do that before your head hits the pillow tonight. I want you to do that before your your feet hit the ground tomorrow morning. Before you eat your Rice Krispies and milk tomorrow morning, I want you to be able to say, Jesus, take control. Or maybe you eat Cheerios or... Are there still Wheaties? For me, before I eat my pumpkin flax granola and bananas and and yogurt tomorrow morning i want to say jesus take control you can pray for me about not the breakfast (laughs) but the yieldedness start the day off right get a spiritual breakfast in See, it's, uh, yielding is easy to see in traffic, but not in real life, isn't it? Well, yeah, yielding is easy to see in traffic. If, if you let the other car go before you, you just yielded. You waited. You, 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 you put your foot on the brake rather than the gas pedal. But it's really hard to see in real life. And it's really easy just to say, well, Jesus, take control. It's not a magic potion. But what it is, is They're words that are built on a desire 
to do what God wants. And our desires put into words are valid. So if you say and you mean and you want Jesus take control, he's going to give you the ability to yield. But you've got to state your intention. I think you, you need to state your intention. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Uh, saying Jesus is Lord means uh, embedded in that is, uh, Lord, take control. I'm yielding to you. So we need to acknowledge Christ's authority by yielding control to him. And the second thing we need to do is align ourselves with him by loving his word. By loving the word of God. It's not drudgery. It's not, it's not legalism. It's, it's reality. We need the word of God every single day. And the Word of God is not some magic pill that you take and everything changes. But the Word of God, in the hands of the Spirit of God, in the life of a child of God, changes lives. That's why Paul said to the Thessalonians, uh, you, you receive the Word of God as what it really is, the Word of God, which does it work, its work in you who believe. Something happens in you and me when we expose ourselves to the Word of God and want to obey it and want God to be in control. Change happens. Person after person can tell me it wasn't until I got into the Word of God on a daily basis that things began to change in my heart. I was praying for God's will. I was praying to be yielded to God, but I needed to get into the Word to see what He has to say. And not just to know it, Really not first to know it, to know Jesus, to love Jesus, to, to align yourself with him by loving his word because it's all about him. Proverbs 13, 13 haunts me at times. It says, whoever despises the word will be in debt to it, but whoever fears the commandment will be rewarded. Despising the word could be just forgetting where your Bible is or having 50 Bibles and never opening them or not listening to them or, or saying, well, I don't understand it, so I'm going to give up. No, dig and dig and dig some more. There's a, um, there's a, there's a challenge I'm going to give you today that, that comes in the form of a little pamphlet that we're going to have available out in the back and on the plaza today. And it's, it's, not, it's not a gimmick. It's just one way, one more way to help people get into the Word of God on a daily basis. It's called uh, E100, the Essential 100 Bible reading plan and my challenge is to take the next hundred days and read these hundred primary stories from the Bible from Genesis to Revelation and do it along with us together and and that will give us some things to talk about won't it now there but from from now to the end of the year there just so happens to be 113 days so you have 13 flex days but I want to encourage you to get one of these and commit to it. And the cool thing is, there's a little punch card where you get to punch out when you, and you got to be honest about it. You got to punch out the days that you do, you know, and get all the way to 100. And I think that's pretty cool. Um, but get one and commit to it. Because you need the Word of God and, and pray as you're reading. Acknowledge Christ's authority as you're reading. It's so simple. Saying, Lord Jesus, take control. Things are messed up in my life right now. Well, good, you need to pray that prayer. Well, things are um, really, really busy in my life right now. Well, good, you need to read the word more. 
well, what? To, to, know, to know more info? No. To know Jesus. To know Jesus. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Yes, there is a 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 16. A beautiful benediction. It says this, Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. Context. The man of lawlessness being revealed and believers needing to stand firm. Verse, thir- verse 15, he says, Brothers, stand firm and hold to what you have been taught. Hold to the truth of the word of God. He says, either by our spoken word or by our letter. And now may the Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. As we are standing firm and holding to what we've been taught, God gives us good hope through grace and he comforts our hearts and we all need comfort every day don't we he comforts our hearts and he establishes our hearts in every good work and word that's a jesus loving life that's a the that's the authority of jesus acknowledging person It's one thing to acknowledge Jesus' good and right and appropriate and just authority and to align ourselves with Him. I mean, we were dead in sin and when we come to Christ, He makes us alive. He, we were committing evil and committed to evil and we were unable to help ourselves and He, he saves us when we believe. And you take a leap of faith and believe Jesus and it is your joyful privilege to say, Lord Jesus, take control. But we struggle with authority issues even with our perfect Lord Jesus Christ, don't we? I think that life in Christ is a process of learning that you're not the boss. Life in Christ is a process of learning that we're not the boss. He is. He is. 